saying it to you. It, it makes a difference. You have to say it to your own self. Amen. And so the more you say it to yourself, the more it get in your system, the more uh, you will see God break through in your life. And we've been going over having testimonies the past few weeks of stuff that's happening for people. New jobs, businesses, raises, all types of stuff. And that's the reason why, because people are getting it in their system. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Alright, so we're gonna, uh, this is going to be part three of our uh, series on resistance. Pastor Ben was supposed to minister this morning, but I hit him and told him God gave me something I wanted to share. So uh, I believe we'll see him next week. Alright? So resist. Don't let go of the rope. Alright? We've been talking about that. We started off with just a bit of a review. A bit of a review of what we've been doing is, I, I, the, my first message I came in and I talked about, and we asked the question, why is it that some people, uh, you see a guy been serving God for 30, 35 years, and he all of a sudden walk away from his relationship with God. You see somebody married uh, for 30, 35 years, and all of a sudden somebody jump up and say, I'm leaving. You know, I don't want to be with you anymore. And we talked about the fact that there's always the temptation uh, in serving God to go the other way. When things get hard, there's always a temptation to walk away from God. And, and the longer you serve God, I tell you some things that happen, and most of y'all know this, is that you see people getting away with stuff. Right? And that's one of the things that really bring it down. I don't know about y'all, my 20, my short 25, 26 years of serving God, you see folks getting away with stuff and you holding the line, you resisting, you know, things and people getting away with stuff. And the Bible says, uh, to us, uh, that, not to let that get to us when somebody don't don't worry about somebody else doing evil. Don't you don't you be tempted to follow after that. And so, but you see these things happen, and oh, year after year after year, and then you feel like, well, hey man, I've been giving, I've been I've been doing the right thing, and all this kind of stuff, and things are still not going the way I want them to go. And um, you know, and it, it starts to weigh on you. I'm not the only one, all right. And so you start to get that. Uh, 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 that older brother, remember the, the, the one brother that stayed with his daddy the whole time? And the other brother took off, and you see these other people getting away with stuff. How many of y'all know some folks in backslid at least five or six times? <laughs> right? And then they come back and still it seems like God bless them. You say, I ain't backslid one time, God, and it still ain't going my way. Right? So you got all this time you putting in, and you resist them thoughts of being angry. You know, you resist the time when you didn't get what you want. You resist the time when you, you know, uh, uh, you feel like God didn't answer what the way you want him to answer. You resist. But then you get to a certain point and we, we refuse to resist. We don't want to resist. And that person, at the point you stop resisting, that's the point where you're in trouble. And we said, that you, you, you know, you, the thoughts are going to come. It's going to be on your mind. But you can't give in to the thoughts. All right? So we talked about that. We talked about people. When people quit resisting, that's the thing that caused them to walk away. I've seen it happen before. I've seen people serving God for a long time. I've seen preachers serving God for a long time. And then, uh, you know, they're out, all of a sudden, they're out of the ministry. They're off somewhere else. I heard a joke back in the nightclub. After 20, 30 years of serving God somewhere in the bar, sitting around drinking. You know, why does that happen? You stop resisting. One of the primary activities of serving God is resistance. That means as temptation and things come to you, you don't give in to those things, right? In your marriage, one of the primary activities as a married person is that you don't give in to temptation. We discussed that. We went over that. We were very transparent. And we said that just because you get saved, that doesn't make the opposite sex unattractive, right? You still, that, that, you know, your secretary comes and tells you things that, that, that puff you up. You know, that don't, that don't, uh, uh, 
you, you still can be impacted by that if you entertain it, right? And so we're not immune to those things. We went over, we're very transparent with all of those things. And we talked about that we have to continue to resist. We have to continue to put barriers around ourselves. When we start to open up the fence and let stuff in, when we decide we're going to quit resisting, that's when your marriage gets in trouble. Amen? Amen. So we went over that. And we, we read the scripture. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. We went, I forgot, we went over the definition of what resistance is. The definition of resistance is the refusal to accept or to comply with something. The attempt to prevent something by action or argument, right? So the refusal, I refuse to accept or to comply with, with whatever it may be. The attempt to prevent something by action or argument, right? So, so that's what resistance is all about, right? I'm, I'm not going to accept it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to comply with it. Then we went, we read James chapter 4 verse 7. It says, uh, James chapter 4 7 reads this way. It says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. And so we learn from that scripture that there is no resistance without submission. Yeah. There is no resistance. You have no power to resist if you don't submit. That's right. right? That's why he put him in order. So he said, Submit to God number one, and then resist the devil. You don't submit to God, you cannot resist. So almost in every case, in every case where you see somebody who walks away from God after serving for a long time or walks away from their spouse after a long marriage, that relationship with God is not where it should be, right? So if, if you submitted to God and we went over, we did the example, in order for me to get to my wife and to tell my wife, look, I'm tired of you, I don't want the marriage anymore, I don't want to be with you anymore. In order for me to get to her and do that, I have to step, I have to get past Jesus. Right? So in order for me to get past Jesus, I have to have mustered up the devilish strength to be able to push Jesus out of the way in order to tell my wife, I don't want to be with you anymore. Right? If I'm submitted to Jesus, there's no way I'm going to push him out the way. Why? Because the very nature nature of uh, submittance is to be under. I'm, that means I'm under his command. I'm under his rule. Right? If I'm under his command, I'm under his rule, then I'm not going to tell him what to do. I'm going to say, yes, sir, as he tells me what to do. Right? So so whenever you get in a situation where you don't want to submit, right, uh, you're, you're, you're not, you, you've put yourself in charge. All right? And so you have to put yourself in charge. So if you're going to put yourself in charge over Jesus... That literally means you have to take him off the throne of your life. Right? So Jesus, uh, you've been dethroned in my life. My will, my own will, my own choices of now taking the throne. You take a back seat. I'm fixing to do what it is that I want to do. So whatever it is that you've been resisting, if, you have, if you've been an alcoholic, if you've been on drugs, if you've been resisting whatever sin you've been resisting, you have to move God out of the way in order to give yourself back over to that thing. <laughs> Right, we talked about the fact that uh, that everybody has uh, uh, what I call the beast in the basement. Right, so that that's that thing. That's that thing that that that. Uh, it makes some of y'all got some of y'all got a whole zoo in your basement. Right, and so that's that thing that's in the basement that wants to get out and wreak havoc in your life. That's that sin. That's that disobedience. It's the thing that, that, that you have been resisting, that is locked away, and we're going to talk this morning some about why we can't, why it's so difficult to kill it, 
Right? We talked about the fact about uh, the devil. You know, we, we said, you know, if the devil's the root cause of the problem, why don't the Lord just kill him? Right? Everybody asked that question. I think we'll find a piece of an answer this morning. We don't just give 100% of the answer until we get in his face, but I think we'll find a piece of the answer. So we got some things in our life that we, that this just seems like it's impossible to kill. And until we can get them killed, we have to keep them locked away. Right? Meaning I'm not bringing you into the living room. And I'm going to tell you, and we talked about before, as long as you don't feed it, it'll starve and, and sit in the corner of the cell in your basement in a weakened state. Lethargic. And, 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 re- and basically, rendering you can't do you any harm. It's when you go down into the basement, you get, you get a moment. What do they say? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Anybody heard somebody say that? There's a scripture for it somewhere in the Bible. I'm not sharp enough this morning to know where it is. But there's a scripture that goes with that, that, that'll prove that whole thing in the scripture. We know it from all over, several. If you, if you sit by yourself, I always say this, that thinking by yourself is the worst thing you can do. Some people say, I'm just, I just sit, I'm just sitting around thinking. That's the worst thing you can do, sit around by yourself. It, listen, either you're going to think with God, or the devil's going to invite himself into your thought session. Either you're going to think with God, I mean, when I'm sitting down and I'm thinking, I'm conscious of God, I'm asking God, what do you think about this situation? Where do we need to go? What do we need to do? If, I, if my thinking is not in that vein, then the devil's going to invite himself in and say, well, you know what I think? I think you should do this. You're worth it. You know, you're being deprived. This, that, and the other. If, how many of you ever seen the little cartoon? Uh, it, 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 it's more than a little cartoon. They got it on commercials, butter commercials, everything like this. Well, you got the angel on one shoulder and the, de- and the little demon on the other shoulder. Yeah. Amen? How many of y'all have seen that? We've all seen that, and that's just exactly where it goes. You have outside sources that are trying to say things to you and get you to pull you in a certain direction, right? And that's where your submission to God comes in. You have to submit to the angel. Set your mind to submit to the angel. So beforehand, I tell myself that this is who I'm going to listen to. I'm going to listen to the Lord. I'm going to listen to the scripture. I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to listen to, I have a predetermined response whenever the enemy uh, begins to tell me something like that. You know, all married people, right, get, get, get upset with their spouse. You know, I believe I'm a good husband. You know, I believe Sister Lord is a good Christian, right? But, uh, you know, sometimes I can do some things to get on her nerves, probably, right? Now, I know we're the only couple in the room. That it goes like that for. Nobody else spouse get on their nerves ever, 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 ever. We're the only ones in the room, but that's all right. So we just preach to each other with this thing this morning. All right? So you're tempted to get irritated with your spouse about little things. We went over the whole thing about leaving the underwear, leaving the drawers in the floor, right? At a certain point, you know, I'm tired of you leaving your underwear on the floor. And I'm going to tell you something, that could be a deal breaker. Uh, you know, three, five, six months into it might not be, but 30 years, you never pick up the underwear, it could be a problem. I'm using that as a small example. I'm meaning the little things. All right? So, so uh, there, there, all these things are seeking to break down the resistance. So, again, we resist uh, things. The large portion of our Christianity, activity of Christianity, is resistance, right? There is no resistance without submission to God. Everybody has this little thing that they fight, 
And you have to keep it locked away. Have to keep your relationship with God strong. If you don't, you'll dethrone him off the, uh, take him off the throne of your life and put your own ways there. Right. Now, so now I want to, I want to read to you something here. Oh, this is the, 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 the other thing that we went over to in our review, which is going to take us over into this morning's message, right? Uh, Philippians 3, 7. Philippians 3, 7. Submission. Submission. And this is Paul talking. And we know Paul was one of the, I guess we can call him that, one of the greatest uh, disciples, apostles. Uh, we can call him that. We, don't put, we always want to put labels on something. Nobody's more important than the next one. But he wrote most of the New Testament. Right. So we label him to be a great man of God, reading about what he did, the things that we have learned that came from his pen that he wrote down in the scripture. Many things, structure, organization for the church, structure uh, for Christian living. A lot of these things came from Paul's hand, the miracles that he did. You know, I don't recall the Bible talking about somebody else that could take a sweaty rag and lay it on somebody, somebody get healed. The man had a connection with God uh, that was unlike almost anybody else in the scripture. Except for the, the one that he got the power from. So among men, he had a strong connection with God and had a, some strong things happen in his life. And so this morning, I want you to remember that. Remember him and remember the things that we read about him. And we're going to look at uh, uh, where uh, sort, the source of his power uh, uh, came from here. So Philippians 3, 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, I counted those things lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Uh, Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. That's a strong word, right? That's a strong word. We use other verbiage uh, in society today when we when we strongly discredit something. Just watch enough TV, you know what I'm talking about. But he says, uh, I count them but dung. That's excrement. It's feces. It's not dirt. It's dung. He said it's worthless. It's nothing, right? Uh, and he says that I may win Christ. And not be and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness uh, which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. So He's saying that He's submitting. He said when He when He's saying He said I submit all of my sense realm, uh, 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 my flesh realm credentials. I submit everything. Everything that I am. He said, one, one time he went off on him. He said, listen, if any of you have to be proud, he said, it's me. He said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He went down breaking down his lineage and breaking down his uh, uh, his accolades and everything that, that he'd achieved in life. And he said, if anybody here should be proud of himself, it should be me. Right? But he said that all of these things that he'd attained, he count them as dumb. He's, he's speaking about submission. He said, everything that I am, I count them but lost. I count them but dumb. Right? So so this is a very learned man, a very experienced man, a man that got the authority to chase down Christians from uh, his religious leadership. He was a man of authority. He said, but everything I got is worthless to me if I ain't got the power of the resurrection at work in my life. Right? And so he's saying that submission is the way to get the power of the resurrection to work in your life. Right? Verse 11, he says, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend uh, that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but the one thing uh, I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we have to die daily. We have to submit ourselves daily, right, to God, to God and his will. In order to live for God, you have to die to yourself. Submission, we talked about, releases the grace of God. Submission releases the grace of God. And so we went on to talk about what, uh, uh, getting a better understanding of what the grace of God is. The favor of God is not just the phrase, right? It is the favor of God himself. It is the favor that God himself walks in. But God, but some may say, does God really need favor? Maybe not. But he has it. And he said you can have it too. So listen. When we're talking about, the person says, uh, 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 you're talking about the favor of God. Right? The favor of God. When I say that, when I say that, I, I say almost come with an understanding that the fa- I'm, I'm most of I'm saying about myself, the favor of God is on me. But well, where did the favor come from? Alright, the favor came from God. So if the favor of God don't mean the favor came from God. So then whose favor is it? So 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 we talk about talk about it this way. It's not just the favor of God extended to me. Right? The ego favor of God said, well, let him throw me some favor. Right? I'm gonna throw me some favor. I have some favor in my pocket. No, it's not just any old favor. Right? It's the favor that God Himself walks in. Come on now. So, so when I say the favor of God is on me, this is God's favor. You don't have a secondary favor. He's got favor, period. He's got God's favor. So whenever we talk about the favor of God, we talk about the best that He has. There's no secondary favor. There's no, this one is for the people and this one's for me. No. God's power, God's favor is His stuff. God, this is God breaking out His toolkit. The tools came straight from God. Appreciate that. He's breaking out his toolkit to give to you. Right? He's got the very best tool. Black and Decker, Wyoming, uh, 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 DeWalt. God's tools are better than all these tools. I'm shocked on my tool game, sir. I didn't know all that before I got here. DeWalt, you know, DeWalt talking about my tool. Wyoming, uh, uh, what's that, what's that drill you got there, Richie? <laughs> what is it? Black and Decker. He's got this Black and Decker drill. You know, Black and Decker real cheap, low end. But that's a great drill. He laughs all the time. He said, I got this old cheap drill. I can't tell you how much stuff that old cheap, cheap drill I'm built around here. <laughs> but, but when God breaks out the toolkit, his stuff's better than everybody else. And so he says, look, this is what I'm going to give to you. When Jesus Christ died... And he ascended up into heaven. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, I'm going to break out a secondary spirit. Right? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the one and only. Right? To come and not only to walk with you. He said, I'll walk with you. He said, in, uh, was it 1 Corinthians 13, 14, 1 and 2? He said, I, I was with you, but now I'm going to be in you. Yeah. Right? So, so to, a certain, to a certain extent, the miracles and the power was limited to wherever Jesus was. Because he was in physical form. He said, now I'm fixing to be in everybody so I can be represented wherever anybody will carry me to. Amen. Amen? 
So God's not handing out secondary stuff. So the grace of God, submission releases the grace of God. Definition of grace is unmerited favor. That means you didn't do anything to deserve it. God said, I'm, I'm, because I'm God and I got much love for you, I'm going to do this for you, right? So we looked at the scripture, and this is where we're picking it up from right now, in just a short time longer. Second uh, Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. Second Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. I think we're going to go a little further than that. Maybe. Uh, did I print it? Yeah. Uh, I want to back up a little further. Give me a second here. And I told y'all before, some places, church, they just don't believe. You know, there should be no silence, no dead time. Listen, this is not a rehearsal nor a performance. We've got some other scriptures we got to find. It's going to take me a minute. All right. Uh, what I say, Second Corinthians? Yeah, yeah, we want to go. I got that wrote down. We want to go further. Second Corinthians 12, 12, and start here. Okay. Yeah, this is, man, this is great reading, man. I, I got stuck on this thing. The last uh, few days I've been stuck on it. Now watch this. Let's pick it up. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Uh, just because of the way it reads very simple and I, uh, I needed to, to just really get a better understanding on it. So I read them both, and this one here really ministered to me. So watch this, uh, verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. He says, This boasting will do you no good, uh, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was, I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Right, this is Paul ministering to the people. He said, I was caught up in the third heaven. So when he starts to talk about the third heaven, that's already deep. Right? We don't know, you know, anybody can break down the third heaven to me? Uh, don't answer that question. All right? So third heaven's already deep. Right? Russell sent me some stuff this weekend. You know, it, it jumped deep. But he said, I was caught up in the third heaven. So he's already jumped real deep. Uh, 14 years ago, whether I was in the body or out of my body, he said, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. So he's having some kind of uh, spiritual experience here. He says, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed with words, things no human uh, is allowed to tell. All right, so he's again talking about uh, describing experiences that he had with God. I'm telling you, this dude was something serious, man. This guy had some experiences with God. So he said, I, I saw some stuff I can't even tell you about. Right? So we don't know why he can't. Maybe he can't describe it. Maybe he's not allowed to. Right? So he goes on, verse 5, he says, The experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. He said, I could boast about that. that, that it must have been something special because he already told us some other things that he had working for him or how he was that he, that he said, these are credentials of mine. So this must have been something to top all of that, right? He says, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. He said, I will boast only in my what? In my weakness. There he is again with the submission. If I wanted to boast... I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because 
I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Man, if we could all live like that, we'd be all right, wouldn't we? Right? But we need credit for everything. We need credit. Even in church, we need credit. Right? Preachers need credit. The congregation need credit. We always need some credit. Right? Um, human nature. So he goes on, he says, I hit something. Hold on a second. Verse 7. If I can find it, I can't see it. I'm going to bring my glass in here. I'm going to start verse 6. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I don't want to do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Somebody say a thorn in my flesh. Okay, so his issue was wrestling with pride. Right? He said, so because I have these revelations, I wrestle with this pride. So he says, he, 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 he words it this way. I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now some people will take that and they will say that God, you see that God gave him the thorn in the flesh. He didn't say he gave it to him. He just said I was given. This is his way of describing what he has. He didn't, he didn't tell you God gave it to him. He just said this is what I'm dealing with here, right? I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan. Matter of fact, what he does tell, tell you where it came from. A messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Uh, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Everybody remember that number three right here right now. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, now before we read what the Lord said, he said three times he begged the Lord. Now this is not, when he said he begged God, he, this is not a situation where he said, Lord, please take this from me. And then go back to eating a bowl of cereal. Right? Lord, please take this from me. And get in his car and take off the drive. No, this is hot pursuit. Probably some fasting. Probably some, you know, some, some serious time spent in prayer on his face in front of God. He said, three times I got after God to take this thing away from me. And here's God's answer. God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Uh, so, so this is what God said. God didn't say I'm not going to take it. He said, this is how I'm going to take it. Through my grace, I will take it from you. My grace will defeat the thing. How many times do we uh, want, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I was sitting down in a restaurant with a man sometime back, and the man, we sat at the table, and the man said, uh, I rebuke the calories out of this uh, uh, fish, uh, grits, and whatever we were going to eat on his plate. He, the dude sat down and had two plates, two entrees. Right? Big entrees. This ain't, you had to get two because they were small. Two plates in front of them. Right? Eggs, hash browns, grits, fried fish, toast. On another plate, he got some bacon and this and that. He's, he's passed now, but I'm not going to say his name. So, this guy we worked with before. So, he sat down, he had these two plates, and he, you know, he believed he received the calories taken out of the food. Right? So, you heard people say that before. It ain't the, only time, the first time you heard that. Right? So, here, in, in this case, we'll, we'll, we'll liken this to Paul saying, God, please take the carbohydrates and the sugar out of the pie. And God said, no, no, Paul, if you want to lose weight, my way of you losing weight is to watch your diet and get some exercise. All right, we, we make an example. You understand where I'm coming from? So Paul says, take it. God says, 
We're going to get rid of it, but I'm not just going to take it. Did you hear what I said? Then I follow me. Okay. Paul says, take it. Take this the cover objects and carry it out the pot. That's the Now, we're we, we, we going to trim down, but we're not going to trim down like that. How many of us have asked God in a situation with something that we deal with, just take it? Right? But that's not God's way. God's way is not just to take it. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Right? So, so with his grace is an unmarried faith. We, we said, we learned last week, that God's power is released through submission. His grace, listen, I told you there's been times in my life I learned when, I, when I've been on these, uh, what I call a personal prayer campaign, sometimes it goes on for years, when I can pray and I can spend an hour or two in the presence of God every time I do it, sometimes I, I can't do it. I, I, I'm mentally, I, my mental capacity not there, I just can't do it. And at that point I realized that it wasn't me in the time that I could do it. It was the grace of God allowing me to be able to do that. Because a human being with all these thoughts and all the business that you have to take care of, to sit yourself down in the midst of everything else that's going, that's going on, that's not normal. That's not natural. It's by the grace of God that you can do it. Anything good that you do happens by the grace of God. If you're a good person, it's by the grace of God. Now there's some effort, there's some effort, some part you have to play in, but at the end of the day, it's the grace of God allowing you, affording you, giving you the power to do anything good that you can do. It's the grace of God. And you ever heard somebody say, uh, but for the grace of God, there are no eyes, right? Could have been me, but not, but not been for the grace of God. Right? So listen, God's grace, the grace of God extended to you, allowed you to get to hear his voice. Whatever he says anything to you, it's the grace of God. Right? So not that God don't extend grace to everybody, but the grace gives you an opportunity to be able to receive whatever it is he's sending in your direction. Yeah, amen. If you don't send the grace, you can't receive it. So God is sending grace for salvation to everybody. God stood up, woke up, and said, Listen, he said, if you will receive my son, you'll be saved. And I listen, I I, I turned it into him. I can put your intent in the play, but it's up to you to the station to what you need. Yeah, there you go. Amen? So by the grace of God, by the grace of God, he said, this is how the problem's going to get handled. This is, this is going to be your solution. My grace is sufficient for you. Let's keep going. So now watch what Paul says here. He says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take no pleasure in weakness and in insults and hardships, persecutions, troubles uh, that uh, I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Look at him saying that. He said, when I'm weak, I'm strong by the grace of God. He says, I have a foolproof system that when I can't do it by myself, that's when the power of God kicks in the strongest. Right? This is by grace. When I can't do it myself, the power of God kicks in strong. So God says, there's a song, that, uh, I won't sing the song. There's a piece of the song. And it says this. And I won't even say that part. I just rephrase what we need. How can you lose with the stuff we use? Right? How can you lose with, with a system like that? Meaning when I get weak, the power of God kicks in stronger? With a system like that, how can I lose? 
So listen, I've worked all I could. I've done everything that I could do. And you telling me when I'm exhausted, I'm the strongest? After I've exhausted all of my means, all of my strength, that I'm stronger now than I was before I got started? You can't lose with that system. Right? So God's telling them I got a system that we're going to defeat the thing. I'm not going to take it from you. We're going to defeat the thing. Now the average Christian can't know my mind in, 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 in the body of Christ. Before I go to the body of Christ, I'll come here. There are wolves and there are prey in life too. In, in the wild, there are wolves and there are prey. In the kingdom, there are lions and there are lambs. Right? Not that the lion preys on the lambs, but that's the mentality of people. Some Christian people put everything on God and like, I don't have to do nothing. If God don't do it, it must not be for me. So they use that excuse not to pray, not to read their Bible, not to take any kind of action, not to put their faith into play. That's the mentality of some folks. Then you got some lions in the kingdom that says, you know what? God put enough in me. God has given me everything that pertains unto life and godliness. All things are possible to him that believes. Right? You got two mindsets in the kingdom. Some people will sit there. They're going to, they, they, listen, if it, if it ain't given to them, they're not going to pursue it. You got some other people going to take and read in the scripture and say, well, it talks about power here. Uh, when I got this Holy Ghost. Oh, the dunamis? Wow. You know, they sang that song, Power, Power, Wonder Working Power. They say these guys going around and healing people in this book of Acts. So they get a hold of the information. Same, everybody getting the same information, but being processed two different ways. Some people just sitting there watching the movie. Other people want to want to make their own movie. Come on now. Some people reading the book. Some people say someday somebody gonna write about me in the book. All right. Two different mentalities right here. And so you have when, when you look at Paul and the disciples, they had the mentality. And listen, this by the grace of God, not because they were special, but listen, somebody got to do it. Everybody can't sit down. Is that right, Miss Marceline? Everybody can't sit down. We're going to have communion today because she takes it on herself and has for years to put together. Somebody got to put the communion together. Somebody got to do the construction. Somebody got to care. Yeah. Amen? Amen. When, I, when, I, when I came here, maybe I'm off a little bit. When I came here, I think I was the 11th pastor in 10 years, somewhere in the ballpark of that. But it, uh, December 14th, yeah, you didn't say nothing about that. None of Four years, December 14th. That's a stretch. That's a stretch. But somebody had to stop the bleeding. Amen. Amen? I don't take the credit for myself, the grace of God on me. Somebody had to have a mindset that says, you know what? Here is the situation, and at some point, something has to be done different if the place is going to live. Amen. Right? And so we sit around and, and, and analyze the situation. What's going on? What do we need to do? What, what's happening? Relation, uh, reputation took a hit in the community. So much turnover. No signs even on the building when we got here. We got to do something. Right? You have, somebody has to step up with that kind of mentality in every given situation. Yeah. If something's going to change. Somebody has to take a step. Somebody has to say, we're going to do it if nobody else is going to do it. Amen? Like I said, don't make us special. It just, it's just an example of the situation. Somebody got to do it. Yes. Right? And if you sit around all the time saying, well, you know, well, somebody's going to do it, and you put yourself in the category of the sheep, not the lion. 
Amen. But I, I think the way things are going today in society, the body of Christ needs some lions to step forward. Too many sheep. And the sheep, the sheep, when they say we're going to take the prayer out of the school system, the sheep say, eh, okay. We need some lions to step up and say, no, sir, you won't do that. We're going to protest. We're going to make enough noise that you, it's not going to get done. Somebody got to step up and say something. Right? What good, what good does it do for us to boast of how many uh, evangelicals that exist in society if we don't mobilize and never have any power to do anything? This is the United States of America, and God we still trust, no matter what they're trying to sell us. Right? So we, need, we have to step up and we have to do something. So I want you to understand, this is the mindset of God. God is not, uh, God is going uh, even when, listen, when God does lay down, he's fighting. When God does surrender, it's warfare. Right? I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to skip ahead and finish with this. Let's go to, uh, remember I said, remember the three. Uh... Let's go to, yeah, yeah, Matthew 26, 36, Matthew 26, 36. It's the greatest example I can find looking at the nature of God. So we'll do this one and we'll do one more. Quick. Matthew 26, 36 says this. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive called Gethsemane and said, sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and, the, uh, and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he be- it became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. So here's another person that got a situation, don't they? We just saw Paul talking about his situation, didn't we? He said, I got a situation. The message of Satan, this thing is bothering me. I need to get rid of it. I asked God to take it away. And here's Jesus with a situation saying that his soul is crushed to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So he went a little further and he bowed his face to the ground praying, Father, if it be possible, please take the calories and the carbohydrates out of this pot. That's my example because you're going to remember that. Father, if it's possible, please let this cup pass. Let this be taken away from me. He says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to, to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even for an hour? Keep watching, pray, so that you will, will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time. How many times did he leave so far? Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this, uh, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they uh, couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went a third time, saying the same things again. Right? So we see Paul says, I saw them three times. I don't think it's coincidence that, that Jesus three times come in and said, hey, can we do this another way? Three times he retreated. Right? He retreated and he came back again. But every time he comes back, first he comes and he said, listen, take it away. The second time he's, 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 the, the flesh is yielding to the spirit. Why? Because he's submitting himself to God. 
We see it start to turn. The second, first time, hey, if it's your will, if you're going to do this any other way, take it away. He said, the next time, if we got to do it, let's go ahead and do it. And the third time, we already know when he came back, he said, let's just go on and do it. Amen? And so understand something. The Lord, he asked the Father the first time, he said, can we just take it away? Just take it away so we, we, we don't have to go through it. I don't want to go through it. Let's not go through it. Just take it away so I don't have to go through it. God's way is not to take it away. That's not, that's not the way God rolled. It's not I'm going to take you. Listen, nobody in here wants to go through anything hard. God says, listen, I'm a God that builds character, that builds people in the going through. You wouldn't be the person you are today if you hadn't burned your hand when you was a kid. You wouldn't be the person you are today if you hadn't got spanked by your parents or, or, or punished by your parents when you were a kid. Going through makes you what you are. That's been started talking this morning. God says, listen, I, I love you too much to take it from you. And I'm investing too much in you to take it away from you. My grace is sufficient. I, I, I gave you access to something that can defeat the best that the devil throws at you. Right? And I want the devil to know how much I love my kids and how much authority I give to them. That's what my kids don't have to run for nothing because I've given them my grace. Right. 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 It's not God's way to take it away and us go back up. We don't back up. We charge forward. Yeah. In the face of impossibility, we tell trees to wither up and die. In the face of impossibility, we make we pray for when the arms come back. In the face of impossibility, we pray for blind people and they sight come back. Yes. In the face of impossibility, we say what God says. Yes. Because his grace is sufficient. Jesus was ready to leave. I'm not going to read this to you. But Jesus was getting ready to leave and say, I'm about to be going. I'm about to depart. And he said, I don't ask my father to take you away. I don't ask that. He said, I've left you my power. So I don't need you to be taken away. I've left you my power. And my power will get the job done. He prayed for us to be unified, and he said he left us his power. It's not God's way to be rescuing you from every little thing that comes your way. Because he wants you to know that he's given you the power to overcome when we're going to stop being lambs and begging God to take everything away now Jesus had an issue right? I'm Jesus so I'm saying the same thing but all our issues are like Jesus we got some good stuff going on take it away Lord please no we're going we're gonna to power through this you're going to learn that what I say to you is true and when the next time you face up is in the there's no line what I say there's no lion, there's no bear. David's not prepared for the lion. That's right. There's no lion, there is no bear. When the lion comes along, we're not ready. Stop asking God to remove your lion and your bears and go ahead and slay them. Stop looking at your lions and your bears like they're the lion. Because the lion will come soon enough. This is just practice for you. It's just practice for you. You have to make up your mind and have a predetermined response to what you face before the situation happens. 
You have to decide what kind of person you are. Am I a person that follows through that trusts what I've read? Trust the God that I know? Trust uh, my relationship with the Lord and what He's promised to me? Or am I a person that backs down and runs away when I hear that person? Listen, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to take the calories or the carbohydrates out of the pot. This weight will be lost through diet and through exercise. Through exercising your faith. Yeah. That's the way God does it. Amen. Amen. We're not going to be the people here that run from stuff. I don't care if nobody else in Cleveland believes that they can do anything. And I'm not saying that's the state of the city, but I talk to a lot of people that feel that way. I had some kids come in the restaurant. I sat down and talked to them, teenagers. And they, they were, well, matter of fact, there were one, two, three. Three waitresses and, and the one waitress with a boyfriend from other restaurants that work over here. And they were just so excited. This place is so nice. It's going on and on. Nice kids. Got the opportunity to sit down and visit with them. And they were talking about uh, uh, how they would really like to go to Houston. And, uh, you know, I, I'd really like to live. I can live anywhere I, I'd go to Houston. And I'm thinking to myself, What? You, listen, we don't listen, we don't really even need to trust God to move to Houston. You just need to ask somebody for a ride. You know what I mean? So you telling me you telling me some homeless guy 